Welcome to the Missouri City View podcast hosted by the Missouri Municipal League. I'm Laura Holloway, your host for today. In this podcast, we share the latest news happening in Missouri local government and highlight the local officials and city employees who make Missouri municipalities a great place to live. Keep up with the latest information for Missouri cities and learn more about MML at MoCities.com. Now on to the podcast. In this week's Missouri City View podcast, we learn more about the Hidden Heroes program from Sean Moore and how Missouri cities can become a Hidden Heroes city. Sean Moore is the founder and executive director of Caregivers on the Homefront. She is also a 2017 alumna of the Elizabeth Dole Foundation Caregiver Fellow for the state of Missouri. Prior to becoming a caregiver to her husband, who served for 23 years in the U.S. Army, Sean served as a police officer for nearly 15 years with Kansas City. Sean is passionate about advocating for military and veteran caregivers and utilizes both her lived experience and education by presenting to national audiences on how communities can best support the family members of our veterans. She shares her story on PBS NewsHours, Today Show, and MSNBC. Sean, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. It is great to have you. Before we get started, tell us just a little bit more about your background and what brings about your passion for veterans and those who provide care for them. Well, in 2013, um, I was a police officer for Kansas City. And um, during that time, I met my soon-to-be husband. Um, His name is Brian. He was being medically discharged from the military at that time after 23 years of service. And I can remember one of our, oh, about six weeks into dating, um, he had called me, told me he wasn't doing very well, and um, could I come over? And and of course, uh, I did. And when I walked in, I could tell he was having a flashback. Um, He didn't know where he was at. He thought he was being deployed. He was trying to find his his gear out of his closet, which of course wasn't there because he had already packed it up or turned it in. And um, my first thought was, oh my gosh, what do I do? I don't know what to do. Um, I actually had my almost three-year-old with me at the time. And, uh, you know, I was kind of looking at her and going, gosh, this is probably not a great, a a great uh, spot for her to be at. And, um, I didn't know what to do. Um, and that, that was the biggest thing for me as, as a girlfriend at the time, I just wasn't sure what to do. So as a police officer, I, I stuck that hat on and went, okay, if this was a call for service, what would I do? And I jokingly say, well, I wouldn't do anything. I'd call an ambulance and have them, have them take care of it. Um, yet, um, while I was thinking through that, um, Brian kept looking at my daughter, Peyton, and um, like it wasn't jiving with him. He he was kind of like, okay, this isn't making sense. Why is she here? And and in the end, I really think that's what pulled him out of it was was her just she shouldn't have been there, right? Um, so so anyway, um, after that, I knew that I didn't exactly know how to help him through flashbacks and PTSD and, you know, high anxiety, um, et cetera, and and what those wounds of war really looked like. So I started diving pretty deep into 
researching anything that I could find and uh, reading whatever I could get my hands on. And um, then I really saw that there was not a lot of support in the Kansas City area for the, the family members or friends of veterans, you know, helping helping them get through their challenges. And so my, my next best thing was, okay, well, let's start a support group. I can't be the only one here in Kansas City. You know, we're, we're a big area um, that needs help. And so I was looking on a, a national landscape and um, uh, Googling. Uh, I'm kind of anal. I want to do things right. So I was Googling, how do you start a support group? And, um, and, and a national organization came up and I first started a, a support group through that organization. But I quickly realized that some of our veteran organizations only support post 9-11 veterans. And yet my husband is a post 9-11 veteran. Um, I was running into all eras of veteran family members that, that needed help. So I was having a really difficult time saying, sorry, you can't come to our support group because you're not the right era. Um, so we did the best, next best thing and started a nonprofit called Caregivers on the Home Front. And that was really um, my first walk and venture into, into this space. It, it, it was um, not selfishly, but kind of selfishly put together. I needed help. I just, I, I figured there were other people that needed help. So you mentioned caregivers on the home front. H- how did that develop then? And, you know, you, you wanted to start your own nonprofit. Tell us a little bit about the development of that. Sure. Um, so in my in my later years, I have learned that sometimes when that little voice pokes you and says, you know, you should do something. Um, in my later years, I have learned to follow that voice because uh, usually it's it's pretty spot on. Um, but I was getting ready for uh, my shift with the police department and and had this little voice say, you should start a nonprofit. And I'm like, uh, no disrespect to you, Lord, but I don't know what, uh, I don't know how to do that or, or what I'm doing. <laughs> um, yet, um, I, my husband, when he was getting out of the military while he was in the, um, warrior transition unit, they tasked him with building a memorial for, um, his unit down in, uh, at Hunter Army Airfield in Georgia. And, so I knew he had the skills and the knowledge to put the paperwork together. Um, so I kind of went out. He was still sleeping. And I'm like, hey, honey, can we start a nonprofit? And of course, he's like, just leave me alone. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Do whatever. Um, but but that's really how it got started. Um, he put the paperwork together and um, <clears throat> we formed the nonprofit in 2017. And we were putting our board together and um, really, for for me, 2017 was a year that makes all of this come together for a purpose. Um, my husband does struggle with those invisible wounds of war. And on August 9th of um, 2017, he um, attempted suicide. And as, you know, as a family member... Um, well, 
let me just say this. Thankfully, I was a police officer that day because it got me through it. Um, I, I can compartmentalize like no other. And that helped me out that day. But that doesn't help everyone. Um, they, they don't have those skills. And then I can remember getting home that night going, oh, man, can I just be a wife now? Because I, I, I'm struggling here. And um, I really knew what we were doing starting the nonprofit was was spot on because it that that story is not unique to me. It, it's unfortunately what a lot of family members and these caregivers of veterans um, go through. They their loved ones um, attempt suicide. Tell us more about, you know, obviously that's a such a heart wrenching situation. What else in just day to day do these caregivers face? And and what do you experience as you're working with them and, and offering that support to them? Absolutely. So first, just so we, we know this broad landscape of veteran caregivers, there are 5.5 million military and veteran caregivers in our nation. And those caregivers can be spouses, partners, moms and dads, siblings, adult children, and even like my little girl who's 12, um, these um, these family members take on the role of a caregiver without any professional experience. And what does caregiving look like? It could look like anything from helping the veteran manage their medication, making sure it's ordered, getting their, them to their appointments, making their appointments, as well as wound care. We know that these, um, these wars in, in the past you know, 20 years created a lot of invisible wounds of war. So post-traumatic stress disorder, our traumatic brain injuries, which lead to a decline in um, cognition. So a lot of our caregivers are literally keeping their veterans from harm every day, whether that is from, you know, leaving the stove on and creating a fire whether that is whether that is impulsive behavior such as gambling, shopping, um, angry outbursts, and suicide, su- suicidal ideation, that's some of the things that we don't think about. When we say caregiver, we oftentimes think of someone who is caring for, someone who's elderly, like you're caring for your elderly parents. We generally don't think about someone in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, caring for their loved one, especially in their 20s and 30s. You don't think that. So with that, we've got to understand that these caregivers of veterans are going to be caregivers for a very, very long time. So as part of your organization, besides, you know, as you mentioned, medications or the the physical things that they may need, so is mental health services for the caregiver, is that part of your program? Absolutely. So when we started Caregivers on the Home Front, it it was designed to help 
the mental health and wellness of the veteran caregiver and their children. So our programs are all evidence-based and best practices around the mental health of a caregiver and their children. <clears throat> a lot of times you know, our veterans get, get help, um, but there's no help for that caregiver and that, that child living in the home. And they have their own trauma. Uh, and it may be because they're living in a veteran household and um, all, all those, the trauma that the veteran has, it, it's going to come across to the family. But we also have to remember that many of us have trauma, but caregivers of veterans are so consumed with taking care of their veteran, they do not oftentimes take care of themselves and their own trauma. So that's what Caregivers on the Home Front is doing, um, providing counseling, providing um, trauma groups where caregivers can get together and we have a, a specific curriculum that we go through. And then we also do mental health and wellness restorative weekends. And all these are, are free of free of charge. They, do, they don't cost anything for the caregiver. And we talk about their mental health and wellness, not about the veteran. Um, if, you know, we always hear if you put on, if you don't, you got to put your own ma oxygen mask on first, or, or you, you're not going to be able to do that to, you know, your kid. Well, same thing. If you're not taking care of yourself, you're not going to be able to provide the best care that you can for, for your family, including the veteran. Yeah. Wow. That, that's really a huge service that your organization is providing. So for cities who want to become involved, how, how can they assist, whether it's in their community or what would you recommend for them? I know in 2017, I believe, Kansas City became a hidden heroes city. What does that do for a city or, or, or how can they help? Absolutely. So um, I am a 2017 Dole Caregiver Fellow alumna, like you said at the beginning. And um, for all of us, we're pretty close to the state of Kansas. So we should all know about uh, Senator Bob Dole and um, the, the fact that he was in the service and he was um, was staying at Walter Reed for some care. And Senator Elizabeth saw the plight of all these young families caring for, for the veterans at Walter Reed. So she, she did something about it. She started the Elizabeth Dole Foundation that advocates for the, the veteran family caregiver um, in Washington, all you know, around policies and, and what would be best to, to help these caregivers. One of the first things that she did was create this um, this fellow program. And so there are fellows in every state and um, I'm an alumna. We do have a current fellow for Missouri. She lives in, in Columbia. And this program, the Hidden Heroes Cities, Counties, and States program is something that our cities, like Kansas City did, um, there, there is a toolkit that can be used to put together a proclamation that the city is a hidden hero city, <clears throat> excuse me. And 
what we're wanting is the the city to partner with the fellow in the state or fellows to bring an awareness of what these veteran family caregivers are doing at home and making sure that caregivers in your city has the resources that they need to best take care of their loved one. So that's not only about, you know, taking care of their own health and wellness, but how do they navigate the VA system? How do they navigate getting benefits? How do they navigate the social security system? Um, because a lot of our veterans um, are, are disabled and receive social security as well. So it's really connecting them with resources, but also also making sure that they know there are other caregivers in their area. I can tell you one of the the best things that really has helped me through my journey as a caregiver is being able to reach out to other veteran caregivers in the good times, the bad times, if I need a resource, if I just need a shoulder to cry on, um, an ear to vent to. That's that's what we need to know. Um, during the pandemic, my uh, program manager, Natasha, and I, along with the Elizabeth Dole Foundation, knew that these caregivers were going to be even more isolated. And we know Missouri's really rural. Um, I, I know in, if we're living in Kansas City or St. Louis, we, we oftentimes forget about how rural Missouri is, but it's really rural. And we set out to find caregivers all through Missouri and provide them with a yard sign that recognized what they were doing as, as a caregiver for a veteran, as well as give, give them some resources and care, self-care items. Well, when we uh, were traveling all through Missouri, we were traveling, you know, a good one, two hours between these tiny towns and cities in Missouri finding these caregivers. And they're there. My, my whole point to this is you may not think you have a veteran caregiver in your city or town. You do. They are all through Missouri and they are living in some of these really small towns that don't even know they're there and they don't know where the resources are. So if we can get cities and towns just to do something as simple as putting resources on your website, most cities and towns have them for veterans, but they don't necessarily have resources for those family members. So just extending maybe what you're already doing for veterans for the family member and caregiver as well. Make sure that you have you have resources on your website so that they can get the help they need. So what would be the first step for a city who says, I, I really want to offer this. Um, I'm able to put some resources on our website. What would you recommend for them to do to get started? The first thing you would want to go, go and do is, um, so email me. And we'll, we'll put uh, my email at, um, so you have it during this podcast, but email me and say, hey, I'm interested in finding out more about this Hidden Heroes Cities program with the Elizabeth Dole Foundation. And I'm going to send you a toolkit that you can look through and go, hey, yeah, this, this, isn't, this isn't a heavy lift. I can do this because I'm going to be your partner. 
<clears throat> I'm going to partner with you as we walk through this journey of making sure our caregivers um, have the right resources and can get connected to other people. And it's as simple as putting together a proclamation, which I'll give you a template so you don't have to um, do, do much. You can tweak it as you see fit. And then we'll partner together on putting those resources um, that, that those caregivers need. We can also, I'll give you other tips and, and tools where you can expand your reach to these caregivers. And a lot of that is going to be just expanding on the programs that you may already do for veterans. But first step, reach out to me through email. You mentioned um, when we were just talking before the show, there are a few other cities in Missouri that are already Hidden Hero Cities, correct? That is correct. Kansas City is, Independence, Pleasant Valley, and Cameron. I think okay. I've gotten That's great. all of them. Yeah. That's wonderful. Well, we really encourage cities to look into this. We actually have a, an article, as you know, coming out in our next issue, our November, December issue of the review, and that outlines some of these steps as well. And, and also some of the research about why caregiving for this particular group is so important and why they need that support. Is there anything else that you would like to share about the program? I, I would just like to really encourage um, cities and towns to look into it. Um, it's not a heavy lift. And I will tell you, these caregivers, just having their city, town, state where they live, recognize that they are, they're living in our state. And, and when they can see that their specific town is is making a point to identify them. That's the big thing too. Um, veteran caregivers oftentimes don't self-identify. So it's it's also making sure that we're giving them the tools, just like we talked about earlier on, um, you know, what, what do caregivers do? These veteran family members may be doing these things and not identify with them being a caregiver. So that is how these cities and towns can help is just putting some things on their website um, so that they will self-identify as a caregiver because then there's a ton more resources and, and benefits out there that, that they could get. That is so great. I really appreciate you sharing this information today. And yeah, I, I like to wrap up each episode by asking each guest to share two things I love about their community. So you mentioned you're in the Kansas City area. Uh, what do you enjoy about where you live? Well, I, I would not be a uh, Kansas City fan without saying, go Chiefs. Um, I love the Chiefs. Uh, we are a big um, we're a big fan of all of our sports in in Kansas City, and we're we're super excited to to see the Casey Current and women's soccer coming. And um, I, I will also say, um, our city, if, if you look around, does a really good job at um, uh, the mental health of our our community. We have a lot of great organizations that do some great awareness events and walks. And, and I think um, in the space that I'm in, I think that's so important for us as a community to look out for each other, make mental health 
something that is um, just as important as physical health, because right now our kids need it. So it's really um, it it's it's really important for me to see that our city is doing that, and it it makes me proud to be in our city. That is really great. I I totally agree with you. I I see a lot more support for mental health, a lot more discussion. Uh, people seem willing to open up a little more and and share struggles. And you know, we want to help cities be able to help their their citizens. So this sounds like a great program to to get started in doing that and to really reach out to people who are doing such a valuable service. I'm just really appreciative of your time today. Um, I hope that our members will look out for the November, December issue for the article. And of course, I'll have your email and everything in the show notes. So reach out to Sean. And Sean, just thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to be able to have been able to share this with you all. Thank you all so much for joining us today. And listeners, be watching for future Missouri City View podcasts. To learn more about the Missouri Municipal League, visit mocities.com.